What's a nice alcoholic? We all know what a mean alcoholic is, right? And that's easy to make decisions about should you stay or should you go or what should you do in the relationship because when this person drinks, they act a fool. They act cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and it's destroying the whole family. You can easily point out the dysfunction. You can easily spot the toxicity and it's very easy for you to make decisions to hold people's feet to the fire to go, hey, you need to get out of here and get some help, go to treatment because we're not gonna do this no more. However, it's a little bit harder when you have what one of my clients referred to as a nice alcoholic. And we were in session yesterday and I said, "Hun, that is probably one of the, the, the smartest things I've ever heard in, in, in explaining why it's so difficult for people to make decisions in their family when they have this person that's not terrible, but their drinking is still affecting everybody. So today we're gonna talk about the nice alcoholic. So I'm Heidi, by the way, if you're new here, welcome home. I am so glad that you found me. This is Healthy Relationships, and our aim is to eradicate toxic cycles of dysfunction or codependency in your relationships so that you can have the love and happiness you truly deserve. Drama-free relationships, consistent relationships, relationships free of confusion, resentment, anxiety, and pain so that um, everybody is being able to communicate with each other. We're restoring peace to the family or helping you make a decision of what to do next. And we do that as well. If you're interested in learning more about how we can work together and deepen our connection and have me help you go all the way, go over to lovecoachheidi.com and send me a message. So what's a nice alcoholic? I grew up with one, right? My dad was an alcoholic and he was a good man. He was a good person. And this is the way my client described it yesterday. She said, you know, he's a really good man. He takes care of business. He takes care of his family. He works. He has a great job. He makes a significant living. He always shows up for work on time. Um, he's kind. He doesn't explode. He's not mean when he's drunk. You know, that's what we would describe as a nice alcoholic. For all intents and purposes, looking outside, there's not this major blow up of dysfunction on a regular basis, nothing really to point at. They're, maybe they're getting drunk and they're just kind of minding their own business or they're going in the garage or they're not really affecting the family per se, but the drinking is still something that you don't know if it's a problem or if you should tolerate. So let me describe to you what makes relationships really work okay and how alcoholism impacts everybody and by the way i don't care if you're if this person's drinking in the garage all by themselves or on the couch not bothering anybody addiction impacts every single person and it impacts us in different ways but i'm going to give you some of the major ways okay so let's say this person has a family and they're not blowing up, but they're sitting on the couch, they're drinking, they get home from work, they, they maintain all day long at work and be able to make the living and pay the bills and put the roof over the head. But as soon as they get home, they save their drinking for the family. And that's what makes them a nice alcoholic or a functioning alcoholic or still taking care of business. So when they get home, it starts. The drinks come out, the beer opens, whatever, the drink gets poured, and there's a complete and total checkout drama free but just a checkout for a certain amount of time total unavailability so here's what i know for sure what makes people in a family feel loved what makes people feel seen what makes people feel respected understood valued and we could say a lot of different things right but at the bare minimum of somebody being able to have a relationship that's healthy and beautiful and wonderful is this bare minimum level requirement which is one thing do you know what it is it's presence 
It's I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm available. I'm psychologically available. I'm emotionally available. I'm physically available. I'm spiritually available. And when somebody's under the influence, being nice or terrible, they're not home. They're not available. They're checked out. And so somebody, even though they're not being yelled at or being treated poorly, could have an adverse reaction to that because nobody's home and they're feeling ignored. I don't know why dad comes home for work and just drinks all night long and doesn't interact with the family. Or, you know, I know that mom goes and has her wine and then we don't hear from her. She's scrolling on our TikTok all night long up in our bedroom with her wine. And yeah, you're not mean. You're not hurting. The, you're not like hurting the kids and, and being malicious or whatever. But your absence psychologically, emotionally, physically, spiritually is having a huge impact on the people around you. Now, if you're married in this dynamic and it's your husband or wife, they're not available to you. That's not a partner. So no, they're not mean to you, but are they a partner? Are they there supporting you and encouraging you and helping you in the daily day life? Don't lie to yourself and tell yourself it has to be so bad. Many of you grew up in addicted households where you had an alcoholic or grandmother, grandfather alcoholic, and they were mean and you heard stories of that. So in your mind, you think, well, they're not as bad as that. You know, at least they're not mean. At least they're not terrible. But you don't have to be an asshole to have an impact. You could just be absent. You could just be MIA, right? Unavailable. I remember many times my dad, you know, my dad was a great man, right? This is how we describe a nice alcoholic, a great man, you know, kind and loving. And then what we say is when he's sober. And it's not like he was mean or terrible or anything like that, but he it was just uncomfortable. It was awkward. He just was absent. He My dad really never saw me, I didn't feel like. He didn't really know me, I didn't feel like. Why? Because nobody was home. And that left a, a mark on me. That left an impact. And there was always this hole, this wanting, this longing, this deeper connection, this relationship to be seen, to be valued, to be heard, to be you know, appreciated, to be loved. Uh, and it's really hard to do to feel that with somebody who's not home, who's unavailable, even to themselves. So what we do when we rationalize, justify, minimize, excuse another person's alcoholism is we enable, we co-sign. Well, you're right, it could be much worse. You could be blowing up. But since you're only up in your bedroom disappearing, it's okay. We co-sign it. We allow it to continue and it's affecting everybody. And I'm going to tell you something, nine times out of 10, when people start to get better, the spouse is the one that the kids hold more responsible than even the addict or alcoholic. Because they'll they say things like, well, why don't you say something to him? Why don't you fix this? God, there goes dad again. Oh, the dad had another beer again. Oh, and they're noticing everything, but they're at wondering why you're not doing anything to intervene. Now, is it your job? Is it your, your responsibility to make somebody get better or choose sobriety? Absolutely not. You can't make anybody get better, but you can do things to help them stay sick. And that's what enabling is. And every time you minimize, justify, rationalize, they're a nice alcoholic, you're helping them continue on the path that they're on. You're co-signing that. So what I want to encourage you to do is first have awareness around the impact that even a nice alcoholic can have on the whole entire family. Actually, if you're wondering about it, have conversations. I know we have kids and we're like, I don't want to talk to them about this because they're not really that impacted. They don't really know what's going on. I promise you with every fiber in my being, your children are, are very much aware of what's going on in that household. They know more about what's happening than you think that they do. 
I, I remember one time, I'll never forget it, I was running the family program, and we were having everybody come around and share. If you're interested in that, we have many, many programs to support you on your road to figuring out this codependency entanglement, okay, and untethering from it all. But there was a child that came along, we were doing a live workshop at this point, and this child came in, and, and he was a very little kid, you know, very tiny kid. And and the, the mom was at first like, I don't know if this is appropriate. And her boyfriend was using and he was in treatment. She said, I don't know if it's appropriate. And I said, well, let's just see. Let's just gauge. So when they first sat down, I said, you know, how does this, what do you think of what's going on? You know, what, what do you think of this situation with everything, with mom's boyfriend? And what do you make of all this? And he said, well, I'm really scared. And I don't know why he does what he does. I mean, one time I found him passed out and I didn't know if he was alive or not. So I went over and made sure he was breathing and I was really, really scared. But most of all, I don't know why my mom doesn't just go. I don't know why my mom, you know, so it's like the kid doesn't have all the rationalization, minimization, all that kind of stuff. All they know is like, wow, this is really bad. What are we doing here? So I want to encourage you. What we do is we do split, what's called splitting where it's like, well, this is who that person really is when they're sober, but this is not who they are when they're drunk. They're really not absent. They're really not checked out. They really are loving, kind, sweet, except for when they're under the influence. You, that, you don't get to do that. You don't get to split a person into two and say, I'll take this side and not that side, because guess what? Your kids get the whole person. They get everything, not just the person that you're able to compartmentalize your spouse into being. Now, look, I know I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot because my mission in life is to actually stop the cycle. Stop the cycle because what you tolerate, you instill in the next generation as like normal. And then they grow up and they don't know what normal is. Well, I guess it's normal to just have dad passed out and mom just making the dishes and everything looks like it's okay. That's not normal. You know, we deserve at the bare minimum to have presence, to have somebody who's actually psychologically, emotionally, physically available to us. And then we can work from there. But without that, with nobody home, there's nowhere to go. So what do you do about this? Awareness, like I said, that is always the very first step. Ask the kids, hey, you know, what do you think about what's going on in this house? What, what's working in the house? What's not working in the house? You know, start this conversation off. Ask the kids, you know, hey, do you, is there anything you want to change in this environment or this house or something? Or if they're a little older, hey, how do you feel about um, uh, dad's drinking? How do you feel about, you know, oh my gosh, I could never say that. Well, they're feeling it. They're up in their room pondering what they think about dad's drinking all the time. And guess what they're not doing? They're not talking to their friends because they're embarrassed. They don't want to talk about this because a kid's job in life early on is to fit in. They certainly don't want to say anything that's going to make them look like, well, what's the matter with your dad or what's the matter with your mom? They're not sharing it. At least you can be the safe place where they can go. Because if you think that not talking about this with your kids is preventing them from realizing or understanding what's going on, that's that's the, that couldn't be furthest from the truth. The only thing that you're doing is not allowing them to talk about their feelings about what they already know is going on. So go over to lovecoachheidi.com, schedule a complimentary consultation. Let's get you on the road to helping your loved one get the support or encouragement they need to take the next step to get their shit together and get control of their life and their recovery. And let me help you untangle from codependent behaviors, untangle from enabling behaviors and help you be with your kids and talk to your kids in a way that's going to break that cycle for the next generation.
You deserve that. And so do your kids. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. And I'll see you really soon. Bye-bye.